Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hey, amazing tribe. We are going to have an action-packed uh, call today. Because I want to do a ton of healing. And as I mentioned in my email to uh, about this call yesterday, that I would like to work with four people today. Usually we only have time to work with one or two, and today we're going to do four. Um, and I, I don't have to do any teaching today. Uh, I decided to add an extra week to, our, to Module 2 so we could have more progress in getting through these fears and limiting beliefs. And again, you know, these modules kind of, spread forward through the whole program. So if you're not done with Module 2, which I don't think anybody is, that's not a problem. Um, and there's going to be a certain synergy, you know, like as we're working in Module 3 and releasing past ties, past partners and stuff, that's actually going to be addressing some of the Module 1 and 2 stuff anyway. And then in Module 4, we're kind of working on building ourselves up. That's also going to address some of the Module 1 stuff. Any any leftover feeling of not being good enough, not worthy, things like that, is going to get addressed there as well. So it's all progressing as it should. Everybody's pace is exactly right for them. So don't worry if you're you know, not done with any of the modules yet. That's fine. You know, We're all making good progress going forward. So that's all we want. All right, so I have two emailed in questions that I'm going to answer. Um, and then I'll see if anybody else has any questions, and then we're going to jump in to uh, the four healing sessions, and, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but first let me just answer these questions. So the first one is from Rita, who says she was not going to be able to be on the call, um, and she had this question. Now, she, had, she actually gave me a big history uh, about a guy that she has been going on some dates with, and uh, the history is really interesting, but that is, I didn't have time to read you know, the whole question. But the idea is that there's uh, uh she met this interesting guy and things are, you know, are going along in interesting ways and she has some questions about it. So she writes, here's the dilemma. I've always gone in chemistry and jumped into bed. Not doing that this time, which is fantastic. Which is fantastic. Uh, she said, on paper he looks great, but I'm not sure. I know it's too soon to tell. Uh, oh, Ghislaine just mentioned that she'll have to leave at 12.30 and we'll listen to the replay. All right. Um, she says, I don't know if it's because I'm still in love with someone I haven't heard from since February and won't hear from again. Now, that's exactly what Module 3 is about, this attachment. So Rita has an attachment to somebody that she hasn't heard from since February that she feels like she's still in love with. So perfect Module 3 situation that we want to address. So Module 3 is about releasing these past attachments, whether it's like this one where she says she feels like she's still in love or where you know, you're trying to, you still haven't fully gone over the pain of the, a prior relationship. 
So for everybody, so far everybody's been submitting pain past relationships in the Facebook group. Um, it's also really important to address this kind of attachment where you feel like there's still some kind of love attachment. So anyway, she says, I don't know if it's because I'm still in love with someone I haven't heard from since February. I don't know if it's because I'm not really ready for a relationship yet. Right? So, and she goes, I don't know if it's because there are a few things that cause me concern. He has been in recovery for 22 years and doesn't drink or have alcohol in his home. He says he doesn't care if I have a glass or two of wine, but getting drunk would be a problem. Um, I don't get drunk, but I do drink different kinds of alcohol and have it in my home. He tends to brag a little bit. I know that's insecurity. He kissed me goodnight last Wednesday, and now I want to tell him that we can go out, but we need to take a step back. I've never felt this kind of fear. Um, this past heartbreak was excruciating. So the so first of all, that last statement, I've never felt this kind of fear. This past heartbreak was excruciating. That's exactly why I added level three to the program, uh, module three to the program, is to address these past heartbreaks that we haven't yet recovered from. So yes, that kind of fear uh, or, or that kind of situation can make it you feel very gun shy and scared to face that kind of heartbreak again, and that's simply because you haven't healed the one that already happened. So for Rita, to Rita, I would say first of all, you know, next week. After this call, I'm gonna, I'll be sending out, I mean, not immediately, but in the next couple of days, I'll be sending out uh, the uh, documentation for Module 3, which we'll be moving into. And uh, I strongly suggest that you immediately address um, that past heartbreak, the guy from February. Uh, so that could definitely be a source of the fear that you're experiencing. Another source of the, potential source of the fear is when we meet somebody who's potentially really good for us, that's scary. And that's what Module module 2 is about, right? As I was reading everybody's uh, posts about what their fears and limiting beliefs are around, beliefs are around uh, being with their ideal partner, um, the whole point of that is that there are fears about being with our ideal partner. You know, all of our fears around intimacy, all of our fears from bad experiences in the past and being afraid of repeating them again, all these things come up and the stakes feel high with somebody who has a, you know, seems to have really good potential. So uh, the actually scariest person we'll ever encounter is our soulmate. You know, this person who's amazing for us. On the one hand, you would think it would be just this blissful thing like I just I met my soulmate and now we're just merging in a state of bliss. But if your fears and limiting beliefs around being with your ideal partner is still unaddressed and they're still pretty strong, then meeting your soul soulmate would actually be terrifying and exciting, but also terrifying. So you know, it's too as you say, it's too soon to know what's going on with this guy. Um, I understand you have some red flags. Uh, people who are in long-term recovery, if they work the program, tend to be pretty cool, enlightened people. By the way who've done a lot of personal development growth. Uh, it'd be interesting to find out if you really thoroughly worked the steps versus just kind of either didn't work them and is holding drinking at bay versus really did the personal growth around it. If they did the personal growth around it, like I say, they could be really healthy, cool people. Um, so that actually could be a positive sign. Um, so definitely, the, you know, the past heartbreak you have to address and it may be fears around meeting somebody good. So time will tell as you keep going through this. Um, this is one of the challenges about meeting somebody before we've gotten far enough along in the program. That's, that's why I tend to recommend not dating until you're at least through the first three modules. 
that's ideal. I know there's people, there's people in the group who've already met cool people, and that's great. I mean, I know you don't want to just turn them away because, oh, sorry, not ready yet. But anyway, that's that's some of the challenges around that. Okay, so that's the answer to that question. Uh, let's see, Jackie Simic submitted a question. She's not on the call yet, it looks like, unless she's guest seven. Um, no. All right, so she wrote... One of the negative traits of both my parents was judging. They judged strangers, each other, and me. In turn, I judge both people and myself a lot, which makes sense. We absorb the, you know, the judge. When we grow up with judgment and criticism, we absorb it. And then we do it to ourselves and to other people. That's, that's a normal outcome. I also find this is amplified when I meet someone new and I'm deciding whether to enter into a relationship with him or, or I'm in a relationship and I'm evaluating whether or not to stay in it. I'm judging him against a hypothetical picture of a perfect partner. But I suspect a large part of this is to keep him in a place where he is less threatening to me and won't have a deeper, more committed relationship, i.e. marriage someday. Um, I have an engulfment issue, which, by the way, is really showing up now as my number one issue when I think about some of the great men of my past, but it was me who was pushing them away constantly. So engulfment issue is about fear of being close, Right, abandonment is about fear of loss, losing the person. Engulfment is about fear of being close, where you can either there's a sense of feeling smothered, or trapped, or can't be myself, can't do what I want, things like that. But basically, closeness and intimacy feels threatening. So this brings me to the idea of rejection versus mismatch. Remember, we talked about that when I was talking about addressing our fear of rejection. I love this idea. I've been reminding myself of it, and has given me the confidence to be more myself, which is fantastic. Yay! But what I am struggling with is asking, uh, with is asking, is this, uh, is this person for me? To determine a mismatch versus judging. What if the judging, i.e., self-protection, automatically results in the conclusion that no one is for me? I hope this came across the way I intended. Basically, judging for self-protection versus evaluating a mismatch. Um, so these are fantastic insights. Um, so, you know, most people aren't going to be struggling with that so much. Uh, if you don't have the fear of engulfment, and the fear of abandonment is a lot more common, uh, you know, it's not going to be an issue. But for Jackie, with the fear of engulfment, it does tend to be an issue. So, and, and because she grew up with judgment and criticism. So that becomes a subconscious tool to maintain distance. In fact, I created a video about this in my Love Talk Q&A show about you know, why am I always finding fault with my partners and dates? Um, and so what it is, is we go to this critical place as a subconscious way of creating distance so that we feel safer. And what it means is that we're scared of being close. So that's a, these are great insights. So it's tricky to figure that out. You know, am I just seeing that, ah, sorry, we're a mismatch versus am I just finding, trying to find things wrong to maintain my safety out of my fear of engulfment? So the best way to know that is to address your fear of engulfment. Otherwise, it becomes really hard. You know, as long as you have an intense fear of engulfment, uh, it's going to be tough because that's going to be a big factor. And also to address the criticism and judgment of your parents. So I would, I would uh, really encourage you, Jackie, to focus on those two things. Um, do a bunch of healing around the judgments you got from your parents. Um, that will help you become less judging yourself and your fear of engulfment. 
and I think uh, that'll be great. All right. Any other questions before we jump into the fourth session? Okay, we got one here. Oh, uh, oh, Rita, I was able to attend the call and would like to work with you today if there's time. I signed up in as one of the guests. I see. Okay. So you already got my answer, Rita. That's good. And uh, somebody else raised their hand here. So who is this? Hi, it's Nell. Hey, Nell. This is... Hey. <laughs> okay. I have a Module 1 question. Okay. And this is something I think hasn't been addressed and my situation might be a little weird, but maybe other people have something similar they have to think about. Okay. And this is the question of sexual abuse from a parent. Sure. So my father died 30 years ago, and a few years after that, one of my younger sisters said that she and her therapist had figured out that she was sexually abused by my father, even though she has no memory of it. Okay. And some people say that's possible. Other people say, no, you will remember it on some level. I don't know. Anyhow, I have never been certain whether that happened or not. And uh, I would have thrown it out, except that I do remember a funny thing that happened one time, not to me, but when I walked in on my dad with a, a different sister who was crying when she was real little, and it was just, it was real strange. So anyhow... When you say real strange, in what sort of way it was real strange? Um, uh, I heard her crying when I came into the house, when I came home from school, and she was crying hard. She was about two and a half, maybe. And so I, you know, rushed to see what was the wrong with her. And he was there, and he had her pants off, and he was rubbing ointment on her vaginal area. And he said that she had just come back from the doctor, and he had done some procedure, and so he was going to have to put this medication on her for a few days. And naturally, she didn't like it. Uh so that's what he said, and it seemed pretty reasonable the way he explained it and all. But the thing that was strange about it is that he was absolutely white while he told me this. Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's not usually the doctor tells the dad to do that kind of thing for a little two-and-a-half-year-old. It's usually the mother who would take Well, that I would think that, that too, but my mother was um, uh, finishing up a degree at a, college far away and was gone like all the time during that year. I see. But if I he mean, was absolutely white while telling you this, then yeah. That, that, that was the thing that, that just he was caught that doing made something. it stick in my mind, yeah, because yeah. that wasn't his usual complexion at all. So right. that makes me think it was probably true. Yeah. So I've tapped on this some, but it, there's still some confusion in me, and it, it the way it affects me now is when I'm uh, trying to deal with some issues with him when I come to the healed part of the supposed healed parent, I'm still, I mean, if he's healed, he's not going to have that that aspect of him anymore, but there's still a part of me that doesn't want to um, fully open myself to the, yeah. the final part of the tapping. 
Not, yeah, not and, and like to get a hug afterwards. Like, does it feel yeah. comfortable to get a hug? Uh, well, not the sort of hug that I would imagine that I would experience if I the was pre Yeah, I got the answer for you. Because uh, I've encountered this uh, on a number of you know times with clients where they there was some kind of sexual abuse or inappropriate touching or something, you know, some kind of uncomfortable vibe in that area or whatever. Yeah. You know, all the way to full-blown, you know, total everything, sexual abuse and everything. And, you know, when we get to that that healing reconciliation part of the session, um, you know, the idea of getting a hug and being close feels super uncomfortable. So it's hard to get that final sense of the love that they – Part of them wants their father's love, but part of them doesn't feel safe to get it because of the sexual abuse. And so what I learned is, is you just have to address that sexual abuse directly first. Because you see, that's, that's about unsafe intimacy, right? Yes. Unhealthy, unsafe intimacy. So there's no, there's no way to feel a sense of safe, loving intimacy as long as that unsafe energy is still present. So, you know, as soon as I find out somebody has sexual abuse with a parent, then that becomes the first thing we address. Because otherwise, it interferes with the healing process and trying to address anything else. So I'd recommend that you go there. Well, how do I address it when it didn't happen to me? Um, well, I mean, your first question is, is it possible to not rem- to have it happen and not remember it? And the answer is absolutely yes. It happens all the time that, you know, people can experience sexual abuse and block it out because it was painful, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And the way that people with their therapists tend to figure out it happened is that there's certain signs. You know, like the idea that, you know, dad, you know, try, getting a hug by dad feels super uncomfortable. Even if the, hug, the way he's hugging you is innocent, just the idea it feels cringy to be hugged by dad. Like I just like ugh I, I you know, so I feel I cringe right when dad tries to hug me. Uh that's one sign. And there there's other well, kinds of signs that can show up. Do you have anything like sure. that? No. So when your dad hugged you, that's it's all good? Yeah. There was no other thing? Um maybe a few little, one little creepy thing I can remember after a sexual maturity, but that was but for the most part, no, I was real comfortable with him as long as he was in a good mood. Okay. I would address the memory you had of walking in on him. Okay. With your sister, um, because, you know, if he was white, you knew that something was was wrong there. Um, so, yeah, what he was doing was, and, and she was crying not because, something, you know, there's a rash or something like that. She was crying because what he was doing was felt very wrong to her and bad. Yeah. So I would work on that. Okay, I'll work on that and the slightly creepy thing that happened. Yeah, when I was those two things, exactly. Okay. How old were you when you walked in on him? I was 12. You're how old? I was 12. 12, okay. Yeah. So I would just, uh, and the other thing that can happen, and this is more subtle, but it's very real, is picking up on a vibe. <clears throat> There's sometimes a parent will ha- will feel sexual feelings for their child, 
and never act on it, but you can still feel the vibe, and the vibe is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. So, and as kids, we're very open and close to our siblings. Like we're, even if you, even if you not, <laughs> even if you have a lot of conflict with your sibling, there's still a sense of, of identifying with siblings. So that if a parent does something to one sibling, it's sort of almost like they do it to us. Like if, like, like it's really common if you see a parent beating a sibling, it's almost like the parent was beating you. Yeah. Even though you didn't physically experience it at all, still that energy is you feel very close to it. Just like a vicarious beating. And that would yeah, be like a like a vicarious inappropriate sexual touching kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well you feel like you're all in the same boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I would address those things. Okay. Good, thank you. Sure. All right, so we have, we have another question it looks like from Southern Alberta. Who is this? Hi, it's Jackie McLeod. Hey, Jackie. Hi. I just wanted to, on the topic that Nell was speaking of, I just wanted to to mention something from my own experience that, that might be helpful, too. Okay. Um, for me, even hearing, hearing what Nell was describing and talking about has stirred up a lot of emotion for me, and I'm shaking again my left leg. <laughs> Go ahead and start tapping if you haven't. Okay, and and, um, and for me, that was the thing. All it took for me was someone else talking about it um, or uh, it was just, just the way I felt. I knew there was something there. Yeah. And and it was a very, a very scary feeling. Um, and it was a feeling that you wanted to push away and not really go there because it felt like, okay, this this is really bad, like... I shouldn't go there. And then that's probably when you really maybe should tap on it and just see where it takes you kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, that's definitely one of the strong signs that you had sexual abuse in your history, even if you can't remember it, is that kind of reactivity, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, just keep tapping. I mean, we're gonna be doing a lot of tapping this call anyway. But just, I would recommend you just start tapping now until the end, and do do some more healing on your own sexual abuse. Um, it can take multiple sessions to really get all that done. Yeah. Yes. It, there's a there's a lot there, so I I realize that. It's going to take time. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it will. And but you, but you know, you can do it. You can really heal that with EFT. Um, I talk a lot of people heal with sexual abuse, and and, it, and they do succeed. So you can do it. Yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> okay, good, good. I had a really awesome session with my partner yesterday. I really had a real breakthrough. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, thank you. Let's have another question here. Northwest California. Who's this? Hi, this is Sandra. Hey, Sandra. Hi. Um, I have two questions, and hopefully I can like explain them. One, one is just related to on topics. So I'm going to have that one first. I have had some of those same 
feeling. Oops, Sandra, it's a little hard to hear you. Can you speak a little louder? Um, yeah, I'm on this. Well, you're kind of breaking up a bit. You know, it's one of those sound like you're underwater a little bit kind of things. How about now? Is this good? Mm, not great, but go ahead. No. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm moving around now. Hopefully. How about here? How's this? That's a little better. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Um, so one of, one of the things is I've had some of those same um, feelings of like uh, with my mom where she just for years grossed me out. Like I did not want to. I didn't like her giving me hugs and stuff like that. Yep. And um, now I'm better with her giving me hugs, but I, I still feel kind of weird. And it's not like a sexual weird thing. It's more like all the things she did to me that I'm still angry about that I'm not over yet and her kind of neediness and her putting her needs. And yeah. so it's felt more like rejecting her. But I guess when I heard some some of the things said, it made me also think of something else. So, um, you know, my ex-husband is is a sex addict, and and it was something I recently learned out, you know, through going through the divorce. And because of that, I've looked really hard at like what happened to him, and how could he have gotten to this, and and, and I've concluded possibly that. He might have been um, sexually abused by the priest, or he's from Italy. Some something bad happened. I'm pretty sure. And so when he visited with my son a couple of months back, my mom. I wasn't in town. I was out of town for two days. But my mom was watching him, and my mom said he was, you know, laying on top of him and kissing him a lot and stuff like that. And so I immediately, you know, had a conversation with him, stopped the behavior, and then I, basically, because of that had um, kind of, you know, informal but supervised visits with my babysitter always present when he comes into town. And I felt such a strong reaction to that, like like there's something wrong with my ex-husband, and I had so much fear that something bad would happen to my son. I mean, nothing did, but I had so much fear. It made me wonder now in hearing what people are saying, like I don't know that I was, but does that mean I should be tapping on that behavior? I just want to be clear because I want to release that too. I've really very, I've been very concerned about my ex-husband, and I don't know if it's because of the deception and all the horrible things he did to me that I'm displacing, or if I really, you know, if there's something else there. So that that's my question. I'm sorry, okay. I don't want that. Yeah, the way to address that. I mean, it's one of these tricky things, like, you know, I have reactions, so does that mean I have some sort of suppressed memory and stuff like that? Um, the way to address that is to tap on whatever uncomfortable feelings are coming up okay. and see where it leads. Okay. So as you kind of, you know, think about your parent, uh, your, your uh, husband's, ex-husband's behavior and, the, the, you know, the discomfort that comes up, tap on that not just with the idea that you want to get relief from it, but to be open to memories coming to you, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just see what comes up. Okay. And that will lead you okay. where you need to go. In terms of okay. being uncomfortable with your mother's hugs, there's more than one reason why we can be uncomfortable with the parents' hugs. So there is mm-hmm. you know, sexual abuse or any, any kind of inappropriate sexual energy can be one source. Mm-hmm. But the other, sor- the other most common source is a parent's neediness. 
Right. I think, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought it was, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, (laughs) So if you have a needy parent, lots of times, I'm raised with my own mom, but lots of times when a parent is needy, they give what are called taking hugs rather than giving hugs. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm trying to suck some juice. I'm giving you a hug, but I'm trying to suck some juice out of you for my own needs. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I love you and I want to give you my love through this hug. Yeah. So it's taking exactly. rather than giving. And okay. that can feel bad. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. And my other quick question is on Module 1. I think I just I, I got confused again when I heard Nell's question. I When we talked about this a long time ago, we had a call, and I and I was confused then, and I thought I had straightened it out in my mind. During the healing part, I've not really been able to... I, you know, I do the thing where I shrink the parent down or make them smaller. But then when we get to the healing part, I'm the parent doing the healing for myself because I'm not able to really visualize my mom or my dad changed because they're not changed. My dad's passed and my mom, is she's a, she's a better person, but I just am not able to really get her to be the one saying I'm so sorry, at least not on a regular basis. So I've, I've always, I've, what I've done since we had that call is I've just, I've been the parent. I've been the changed parent acting as my mom, but it's really me, my internal mother, telling me I'm okay and I'm sorry and all that. So is that... Well, so here's the thing. Yeah, I hear you. I understand your question. Okay, so the idea... This is is the one stumbling block that interferes with... that can interfere with this process. We're we're sort of taking this all from matrix reprinting in a super simplified sort of way, but the idea here is that when your mom did whatever, you know, something painful when you were five, say, uh, not only did she, the real her, do that, you also formed like a snapshot of her that we call your internal mom. Mm-hmm. This internal mother, uh, you know, re- greatly resembles your real mother. Um, and this internal mother... Uh, continues to treat your inner child in the same way your real mother did, but this internal mother is a piece of you. And what actually keeps us kind of keeps our, our patterns alive for the rest of our whole lives is the presence of our internal mother continuing to act like our real mother did. So I've I've had plenty of clients where their parent when they were five was really dysfunctional and, you know, and, and you know, mean and angry and critical and distant and unloving and all these other things. And then somehow they, they really truly did had a, you know, a big transformation over the course of their life. And as a, uh, you know, much older person, they're now very warm and loving and giving and all, everything that they could have wished their parents had been when they were children. Mm-hmm. So their true parent had actually transformed. Mm-hmm. But it didn't help because their internal parent was still like their the way their parent was when they were five. So our real parents, once we leave home, our real parents become kind of irrelevant as far as our life experience after that. It doesn't matter if our parents stay the same or they get way better. That's not really relevant anymore because the wounding happened back when we were five and our internal mother and our internal father that, is a, that are pieces of us continue to be the same. And <clears throat> what this process is supposed to do is when we are working you know, on the memory, we're 
not working with our mother and father. We're working with our internal mother and father. And since it's a piece of us and it's not our real parent, we can allow our internal parent to change. We can allow our internal parent to get the healing that she or he needs in a realistic way uh, so that she can come back and be different. So lots of times people say, well, I can't imagine my mother you know, apologizing and being loving because, you know, she's still mean. <laughs> you know, she's, she never changed or, or now she's dead even. But it's not, that, that, and, but that's the thing is we have to maintain this clear distinction in our minds and that is we're not working with our real parent. Our real parent is not in the session. The only parent that's in the session is your internal parent. And because it's your internal parent, which is a piece of you, you can allow that internal parent to change. Um, typically when I do it in a session with somebody, as they go off to the healing clinic, I'll actually describe some of the processes they're going through so the healing feels more realistic rather than just simply saying they went to the healing clinic and got the healing they needed. You know, you can kind of imagine the kind of stuff they would need to do therapeutically to actually address their wounds so they get the healing they need so that it's more believable that they come back changed. But it's all us. You know, we're working with a piece of us, our internal mother, our internal father. So, on the one hand, if you have yourself be the loving parent who's giving to your inner child, <clears throat> which is what I used to do be- before I learned matrix reimprinting. So if you, these recordings from my old program were were that style. Like, okay, I'll be the loving parent now. But the the one downside to doing that is what you end up with is two internal parents, mm-hmm. a loving internal parent, and continuing to have the unhealthy internal parents. So now you have two. And that's better than just having the bad one. So you have a good one and a bad one, right? It's better than just having the bad one, but it's not as good as just having good ones. Okay. Well, I think I have two internal parents done because I haven't been doing this right, I don't think, honestly. Okay. So it's better Mm -hmm. than than not, right? It's better than two. But see if you can allow your internal parent to change, knowing that this is not your mother and it's not your father. It's a piece of you, so it's mm-hmm. since it's a part of you, you can allow that part of you to change. So the feeling. So when you say that, you're talking about the feeling part, like when you're in it and you're like, okay, this isn't mom, you know, I can't picture real mom, and then my voice is like, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, that was so wrong, you know, whatever. Okay. That feels like it's the, you know, person who I am now who'd never do that, right? But, so well, that's, you're saying that's it's, you. That's you saying I'm, I cannot imagine my internal yeah. mother change, so I'm going to do what she cannot do. Yes, right. But that's leaving you with two internal parents. Yeah. So I guess what, what I'm not clear is, on is you want to let your internal mother go off and get the healing that she needs. I truly believe that any person on this planet, no matter how dysfunctional they are, if they get, mm-hmm. if they're willing, right, to do it to get the healing, and they get sufficient, <laughs> high quality healing work done, then they can heal. And they and they really can transform in that way. You know, it might mm-hmm. take them, you know, several months to do it. But, you know, in this healing clinic, they can have several months to do it. Mm-hmm. They can have five years to do it, however much time they need. Mm-hmm. But you just want, you want to let your internal parent get the healing they need. So that they really can change. They really can transform. So that your internal mother can apologize sincerely. Even though your real mother maybe would not be open to getting this healing and would never apologize. That's okay. She's not in the session with you. Your internal, your real mother is 
not in the picture and not even relevant. Okay. The only mother you're working with is your internal mother. Okay. This is and a that's key sort concept. It's a key stumbling block for people if they can yeah. accept that. Yeah, and that's sort of like that that feeling, deep feeling part of you that feels that that comes and that like feels really bad. That's that would be the internal mother to make that distinction when you're doing it. Right. Well, it feels okay. like your real mother. That's the challenge. That's why it's uh, such a immensely confusing thing. Mm-hmm. If you feel like what it feels like is I'm just remembering what my mother said, my real mother. But. And, you know, it's understandable to think of it that way, but, but that's actually not what's going on. As you relive the memory, you are experiencing your internal mother doing it right now, right? It seems like it's your real mother doing it, but it's not. It's your internal mother doing it. Um, and what we do is as we're doing the tapping with our internal mother, uh, we just... Because we're tapping, we can just direct her. So you're going to get, you're going to go get the healing you need. You know, even if you don't like the idea of going off and getting healing, I'm going to send you there, and you're going to work with some really cool, talent, talented EFT practitioners. And the first thing you're going to do is address your your reluctance to get the healing, right? You know, if you're close to it, they're going to help you with that until you're open to it. And then once you're open to it, they're going to help you with going back to your childhood and addressing all those wounds. Because it's the wounds that's covering over their basic nature. Our basic nature for all of us uh, is that, uh, you know, I did this thing called reevaluation co-counseling, and they had this great philosophy. They said, we hold as inherently true, we hold as true that we are all inherently loving, creative, and brilliant and wanting connection. At our core, that is true of all of us. That was even true of Hitler, right? <laughs> it was true of all. Of, it is true of all of us. That core being, that core of who we are, which continues and always is loving, gets covered over by the wounds. But the wounding does not take away our core essence. It just covers it over with a layer of pain and a layer of then dysfunctional behavior in response to that pain. But if you address that pain and peel that layer away, you go back to our natural essence, which is to be loving, brilliant, creative beings who desire connection. And that's true of your mother. That's true of all of our parents. Now, most people don't tend to do it. They don't do the healing, so they don't, they don't get back to their core essence. But, every, but that core essence is there for all of us. It's there for of our parents. It's there for us. Now, those people, those of us in, this, in our program here, right, in our tribe, we're doing it. We are peeling away the layers of pain so we can get back in touch with our core essence in a in a ongoing, you know, consistent way, right? We all we all get little touches of it, little little blips of it, where we feel our our love, our our, our loving nature, right, our essential loving nature. But then all of a sudden, guys, <gasps> then we get scared and then we shut it down. If you can touch it for one microsecond, you know it's there. If you get scared and shut it down, then that's exactly what I'm talking about, this layer that covers it over, right? But if you felt a moment of loving energy, then you know it's there. And that's also true of your mother and your father. It's covered over with wounds and dysfunctional behavior. So if they get the healing they need, they will heal and get back in touch with their core essence, which is, you know, wonderfully loving being. 
Does that all make sense? I think so. I, I, I may need to, you know, schedule something with you privately just to make sure I've got it. But I'm, I'm, I understand what you're saying. I'm not yeah. sure that I've been doing it that way, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it <laughs> again. Okay. Yeah. Because periodically, Thank when I work you. with a new client, they'll get stuck in that spot. Like we'll do the healing, yeah. and we'll get stuck at the end. Like they cannot receive their, their parent. They mm-hmm. can't believe that they, that their internal mother could heal in that way. They just can't. They can't accept it, and I'll say, and, and then I'll we'll talk about it a bit, and I'll discover it's what the same thing was going on with you, and then we just have to actually tap on that, All right. to address that directly. Okay, thank you. Sure, you're very welcome. All right, Louis, you have your hand raised. Hi. There you are. Hi. Hi. You have a question? Yeah. Yes, just a, I wanted to um, say you just had a breakthrough. I, I had a breakthrough in my understanding. And when you say it's a stumbling block, uh, that people don't realize it's their internal mother, not their real external mother. Yeah, could you uh, speak louder as well? Please. Try to speak louder. Very quiet. Sorry. Sorry, hang on. Um, sorry, is that better? Yes, that's better. Yes, and I, I was saying that... Um, I had a breakthrough when you said that it's not the in external mother, but the internal mother that needs uh, healing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, something clicked in me. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of got that. So, thank you. That's, oh, cool. That's, cool. Yeah, so it, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of have to be in my head. I have to have it, all my theoretical ducks lined up in a row before I kind of get it. It's a bit pathetic, but... <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, but um, yeah, now family. I get it. So, so that's like it's the what you said. The your real mother is to a certain extent now irrelevant because the internalized mother happened when you were young. Yes. And so exactly. that's the one that needs sorting out. You know, and it's great. Hey, great if you if your real mother can get there too. But it's uh, about putting the mask on yourself first, right? And the right. mask to use the uh, analogy of being in a plane, and you know you've got to save yourself first. It's the only thing you can do. You know, really. Right. And, um, yeah, a lot yeah. of people, I mean, when I say irrelevant, it, it might sound a little harsh or cold. It's it's not that, you know, we don't still care about our parents, whatever. Yes. I'm talking about for our healing process. That's right. Yeah. How our real parent is at this point in our life is irrelevant. It doesn't it doesn't right. impact things one way or the other. It doesn't matter. Um, I know so many clients where, you know, their parents have died, and they still feel suffering in the same way they did as a kid. So. As, you know, some you would think, you know, if I was oppressed by my parent my whole life and now they died, there'd be this liberation, like, ah, I can finally breathe, I can finally be me. And sadly, that's not at all what happens. They still feel judged and criticized and not good enough and all the same stuff they felt when they were five, even though their parent is no longer alive. So it's that's why I'm saying it's not relevant anymore in our healing, because really that, you know, our internal parent took took up the torch, you know, that our real parents started and continues and continues with it for the rest of our lives unless we heal our internal parent. So people who are able to do that, what they find is they become so much less critical of themselves. You know, that, that critical inner voice is not really ours. It's really our internal parent who's continuing to criticize us in the way they did growing up. So we think of it as I'm criticizing myself, but it's really our internal parent and I can tell you that I can prove it's true because even though it sounds like our voice, because, you know, our voice is the only one we're used to hearing in our head, 
I've, I've often recommended to clients before they finish the healing process, I'll say, you know, along the way, while we're still working on healing this stuff, the next time you hear yourself criticize yourself, um, now usually, you know, it's a particular parent is the one with the critical voice. So let's say it was dad. This just happened just, uh, just a few days ago. Um, I'll, you know, as soon as you hear yourself criticize yourself, go, um, just picture your dad and just say, screw you, dad, you know, give it a break, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or fuck yeah. off or, you know, you know, just, you know, dad, get out of here, go away. And when you do that, so you're, because what you're doing is you're giving it back to the source. It's like, no, this is not me criticizing me. This is my dad, my internal dad still criticizing me. So if I just say, dad, stuff it, quit it. Um, what you'll notice is that the criticism, the self-criticism disappears. Not forever, so you actually heal it. But in that moment, the self-criticism is gone, and you feel immediately better. And that shows that the source is the, is the parent, not us. Now, how does that how does that relate to ego then, Stefan? Well, I don't want to get into a big theoretical discussion about ego and all these other states, but just the idea. I just want to stick with this idea of internal parents continuing to do to us what our real parents did when we were kids. Okay. That's the thing we need to heal, and um, and that's why we need to let our internal parents heal and change, so that they stop doing it to us, so we don't have you know, continue to have that bad parent as long, along with some good parent we add to the mix, you know, with, with yeah. us. We really, truly, ideally want to change our internal parent because then they stop criticizing us. They stop rejecting us. They stop abandoning us. They stop doing whatever the painful thing, things were that they did. And then you feel this peace inside, like, ah, I'm not, mm. the, the critical voice has gone away. It's gone quiet. Can you imagine for all of for everybody oh, who's a voice? Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Hello. Hello. Now does the guest panel is my internal uh, uh, for that. Actually, I didn't hear any of that. You were broken up until just the end there. Oh, sorry. I was saying I really wanted to thank you for the session I had about this two hours ago with you. This the one-on-one session I had with you because I got a breakthrough at a feeling level and um, I, I feel better, much better internally. Yay. Yay. So thank you. You're I hope awesome. everybody else will get there. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. Cool. So I'm going to go ahead and mute you. And uh, okay. So I think what we have about an hour left. And I think we could do four healing sessions. Um, just two days ago on Monday, I had a client, and we knocked off four um, four major fears and limiting beliefs for you know module two type stuff in one session. And I want to do it with you guys. <laughs> so I want to do the very same thing. Oh, Anda has. I don't know if you have a question or if you're volunteering. Okay. So if you guys are volunteering, let me first tell you how this is going to work. I went through and read everybody's uh, posts around their fears and limiting beliefs, um, you know, those people who posted, and I looked for commonalities. And I found four that I think were the most common. I mean, some people had some, you know, really unique stuff, but I think I found four that I think, uh, you know, the majority of people relate to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them out to you. And 
uh, I'm going to ask for volunteers of people who can relate to the ones I'm going to work on. So I'm going to read all four, and then I'm going to say, okay, we're going to start with this one. And then I'm going to say, whoever relates to this particular fear, limiting belief, who would like to kind of represent the group and volunteer and do the tapping with me, then raise your hand. So I'm going to unraise Andas and whoever is South Central North Carolina's hands for the moment, read the four things, and then you guys can raise your hands again if you want to work. And I know, Rita, you also wanted to volunteer as well, and that would be great. You were actually the first person to raise your hand, um, though you don't seem to be on the phone at the moment. So, uh, Rita, you can get on the phone. If if you get on the phone, um, you know, I'll give you a first crack at it since you did volunteer first. But but you still also have to relate to one of these four things, which you probably will. All right, so the four things that we're going to work on today are I'm not good enough. I think that one's universal. I'm not good enough, and she, he or she you know, wouldn't be interested in me. Now, that one came out in lots of uh, flavors. Oh, Rita, Rita, oh you said, Rita says I'm on the call. I don't know why it shows up. You do show up, Rita, as on the call, but you show up not as on the phone. So I cannot click on you to unmute you. Um, so if you did phone in, what I would recommend you do is hang up and just call right back in again, and that will probably take care of it. Um, all right, so anyway, uh, not good enough. That shows up in a lot of ways. It could show up as uh, not handsome enough or not pretty enough or not something enough, right? These are all just variations of basically not good enough, right? Not smart enough, not rich enough, whatever, not enough, right? Um, So we're going to work on that one. Um, Here's another really big one, which came in a variety of flavors, but they all come down to, I'm afraid they'll get hurt again. You know, I'm afraid they'll get cheated on again. I'm afraid I'll get whatever again, right? I'll I'll make the same mistakes. I will re-experience the same pain. I'll get hurt again in the way I was before, whatever particular way that was. And people, you know, list as specific ways that could be, but they all could be grouped into, basically, I'm just afraid of being hurt again like I was before. So there's that one. Uh, Another one is, I won't be able to be me. I'll feel trapped. I'll lose my independence. I won't be able to do what I want to do. By the way, those are all representative of engulfment fears. Um, I saw that for a number of people. And then the last one is there isn't one any there isn't anyone out there for me. He or she just doesn't exist, and then I'll have to settle. I'll have to settle for less than what I really want. So that was another uh, one that came up often in some way of phrasing it. So those are the four we're going to do. Um, I'm going to start with not good enough, since that one's so key. So hold on a sec with everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna undo everybody's. Uh, let's see, how do I do that? Hmm. I'm going to unmute everybody and then mute everybody. Okay, that did it. Okay, so now I'm starting with not good enough. Um, Rita called back in, but she's still, you still, Rita, I'm sorry, you're not showing up as on the phone. I cannot click on you and unmute you. I don't know what the issue is. If you're, phoning in, that would work. So I would love to call on you, Rita, but you're not on a, there's no way to click on your thing. Um, 
All right. I'm really sorry about that. Okay, so we have Anda. Hey, Anda. Hello. Hello. There you are. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep. Now I can hear you. Okay. Great. So we're going to be doing uh, I'm Not Good Enough. In whatever okay. fashion, you know, for every for everybody, you know, however you experience that exactly. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. Um, well, for me, it was like um, since as long as I can remember, it was like a distinct feeling, like a knowing that I'm not going to be appreciated or loved, or I'm going to be rejected by any guy that I would actually consider great. You know? Yeah. And if I got over him, then he would pursue me. But the moment I would feel like I would love him or like him or whatever, that it just the the button would switch off, and I'm I'm gonna be rejected. Right. So yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with. So what I'd like everybody to do is to get in touch with that one. Uh, I'm guessing that one is pretty much every single person in the group has that one. Um, that was the thing <laughs> I struggled with. <laughs> The most. So I'd like everybody to rate it zero to ten. You know, just feel into it. So you're not just remembering that it was a certain number before. Like, get in touch with it is for you today, this moment. Imagine some really great person, right? Um, for those of you who are already starting to see people, like uh, like Anna, uh, you're probably feeling pretty good right now, but. Uh, the, the way it would show up is afraid that you won't keep him, right? So you already met him, you're already with him, but there could be a fear of losing him because you're not good enough. So anyway, however yeah. anybody experiences this, just tune into your feeling not good enough, not worthy, not lovable enough. He won't, he or she won't be interested in you. Just exactly. raise it. And write it down for everybody. And what's your number, Anda? Eight or nine. It's actually like a frustration that is constant. Okay. So shall we call it eight and a half? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to do some tapping on this um, to make some progress on it. It would be the kind of thing that, you know, we'll tap on it. You'll feel part way better. You know, hopefully you'll be down to like a four at the end. And it's, it's going to be something that people are going to want to repeat. You just keep repeating it, it'll get okay. better and better. Okay. So everybody tap into the crotch up point and repeat along with Anda. Even though I just feel like I'm not good. Well, no, actually, sorry. Even though I'm convinced that I am not good enough for my ideal partner. Even though I am convinced I'm not good enough for my partner. My ideal partner. My ideal partner. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. Even though I'm afraid that he or she will not be interested in me. Even though I'm afraid he or she will not be interested in me. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. Kindness and compassion. Excuse me? With kindness and compassion. I didn't understand it. With kindness and compassion. Now, 
I don't want to have to keep saying he or she the whole time, so I'm going to use the word they. You know, it's a weird English thing. Okay. Okay. So now <laughs> tapping in all your points. I'm convinced that I am not good enough for my ideal partner. I'm convinced I'm not good enough for my ideal partner. And that if I was super interested in someone... And if I was super interested in someone... They would not be interested in me. They would not be interested in me. I feel hopeless. I feel hopeless. I feel so discouraged. I feel so discouraged. I feel like I'm just not good enough. I feel like I'm just not good enough. I feel like I am just not good enough. I feel like I'm just not good enough. And they won't be interested in me. They won't be interested in me. And that's so discouraging. It is so discouraging. Makes me feel like giving up. It makes me feel like giving up. It all feels hopeless. It all feels hopeless. I'm convinced that I'm not good enough. I'm convinced that I'm not good enough. Not lovable enough. I'm not lovable enough. Not good looking enough. Not good looking enough. Not attractive enough. I'm not attractive enough. Not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Not something enough. I'm not something enough. Just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. In many ways, I got this message from my parents. In many ways, I got this message from my parents. That there was something wrong with me. That there was something wrong with me. That I was not okay. That I was not okay. That I was not worthy of their love. That I was not worthy of their love. Maybe they were critical and judgmental. Maybe they were critical or judgmental. Maybe they were distant and not loving. Maybe they were distant and not loving. Maybe they were got really angry at me a lot. They, maybe they got really angry at me a lot. It felt so scary and rejecting. It's so scary and rejecting. There was many ways they made me feel... Like I was not okay. There's many ways they made me feel that I was not okay. That there was something wrong with me. That there is something wrong with me. That I was not good enough. That I was not good enough. That I was not lovable. That I was not lovable. But it was all a lie. But it was all a lie. I was born a beautiful baby. I was born a beautiful baby. And like all babies... And like all babies... I was... I had normal baby needs. I had normal baby needs. Be fed and dry and warm. Be safe and dry and warm. And I was also a bundle of love and awe. 
and I was also a bundle bundle of love and awe. All babies are bundles of love and awe. All babies are bundles of love and awe. I was in awe of the world around me. I was in awe of the world around me. Everything was new and amazing. Everything was new and amazing. And my heart was wide open. And my heart was wide open. I was a bundle of love and awe. I was a bundle of love and awe. Anyone who is nice to me. Anyone who is nice to me. I would look at them with adoration. I would look at them with adoration. I was so loving. I was so loving. That was my true essence. That was my true essence. An essence of awe and love. An essence of love and awe. And there was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. I was an adorable little baby. I was an adorable little baby. I want everybody to see the little baby that you were. Try to remember any baby pictures you've seen of yourself. And see this perfect little creature. Perfect little being. Cute cute little fingers and toes. Cute little face. Baby... Smiling, moments of happiness. Baby cries when when she or he has a need, right? Hungry or wet, whatever. Um, Fascinated in awe of the world around you. Babies are just yummy little creatures, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're just absolutely adorable. In fact, they're beyond adorable. They're adorable. (laughs) nothing wrong with them they're perfect little beings they're delightful little beings I want you to say everybody just kind of get a sense of that this is true of all babies including you they're delightful and loving little beings there's lots of women who love holding babies just so they get to experience the wonderfulness of the little baby, just for a few minutes. That's how good you all were. You guys were all delightful, loving, lovable little babies. And then, your parents are relating to this little baby with their wounding. Parent might have had parent might have had a very painful childhood of, of their own and therefore has become emotionally shut down. So even though they wanted a child and they want to love their child and they do love their child in their own way, it's hard for them to be open hearted because there's a sort of wall of protection around their heart. So instead of being really open and loving, they might be reserved. 
There might be moments of lovingness, but also moments of distance. Maybe lots of distance. Not because they don't love their baby, but just because of their own limitations, their own damage, their own wounding. They may have absorbed the negative behavior of their parents and then act in the same negative ways to their children, including you. These damaged uh, parents and their resulting negative behaviors gave you the impression that there was something wrong with you. I'm talking to everybody now. Your parents' damaged behaviors, their wounded behaviors, made you feel like there was something wrong with you. And there never was. It's, it's impossible for there to be anything wrong with the baby. They're so pure. Just as impossible for there anything to be anything wrong with a two-year-old. doesn't mean a parent might not act poorly towards a two-year-old and make the two-year-old feel like there's something wrong with them. But there's nothing wrong with a two-year-old. There's nothing wrong with a four-year-old either. Nothing wrong with a six-year-old either or an eight-year-old. After a while, if a, ch- if a young child gets mistreated a lot, the young child might start to develop some negative behaviors. But take that problem-behaving child and put that problem-behaving child in a good environment and the problem behaviors will go away because the problem behaviors were just a response to the pain that they're in. There's nothing wrong with that child. The essence of that child is beautiful. And that includes you. The essence of who everyone is is wonderful even if it's covered over with some other stuff. We don't lose what makes us uniquely wonderful. So, that's part of, you know, that's what we're doing in, in, level, in Module 1 and 2 is we're doing this healing work around, you know, peeling away the wounding layers. But the essence of who we are is what attracts our soulmate. Right? The essence of who we are is our flavor. Back to the ice cream flavor analogy. Right, It's our special, unique flavor. And as we peel away the layers, our unique flavor and essence starts shining more and more brightly, becomes more and more visible. As we let go of the lies that we absorbed, the lie is that there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. As we do that, our unique flavor shines through more and more. So repeat after me. I choose to let go of my childhood lies. I choose to let go of my childhood lies. I choose to let go of the lies from my parents. I choose to let go from the lies of my parents. That made me think that there was something wrong with me. That made me think that there was something wrong with me. And that I was not good enough for their love. That I was not good enough for their love. I was always good enough for their love. I was always good enough for their love. They just had their wounded behaviors. 
they just had their wounded behaviors. That made me think otherwise. That made me think otherwise. I choose to go back to my essence. I choose to go back to my essence. And my unique flavor. My unique flavor. And my ideal partner. And my ideal partner. And my soulmate. My soulmate. Will respond to my unique flavor. Will respond to my unique flavor. And they will love it. And they will love it. They will think it's the yummiest flavor in the universe. They will think it's the yummiest flavor in the universe. The yummiest flavor in the universe. The yummiest flavor in the universe. Really about just finding and recognizing each other. It's really about finding and recognizing each other. Discovering each other's flavors. Discovering each other's flavors. And feeling like we have come home. And feeling like we've come home. I choose to recognize. I choose to recognize. My inherent goodness. My inherent goodness. And I choose to understand. And I choose to understand. That my ideal partner. That my ideal partner. Will find me amazing. Will find me amazing. Even with some of my wounded behaviors. Even with some of my wounded behavior. Because we all have that. Because we all have that. None of us gets rid of it completely. None of us gets rid of it completely. My ideal partner will have their wounded behaviors too. My ideal partner will have their wounded behavior too. And that'll be okay. And I'll be okay. We will come together. We will come together. And relish each other's flavors. And relish each other's flavors. And and accept the imperfections. And accept the imperfections. And share in each other's healing. And share in each other's healing. That will continue for the rest of our lives. That will continue for the rest of our lives. I choose to know that I am good enough. I choose to know that I am good enough. For the right partner. For the right partner. Because my right partner. Because my right partner. Will recognize me. Will recognize me. As their ideal partner. As their ideal partner. And will love who I am. And will love who I am. And accept my imperfections. And accept my imperfections. Good. Now let's take a deep belly breath. Everybody. All right. So everybody check back in with your number. That feeling of not being good enough person won't be interested in you, that kind of thing. 
and write down your new number. So what is it for you, Anda? What's your new number? It's about three and a half. Three and a half. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That's a that's a nice big shift. I ne- I kind of never had. I kind of had always had like this also like internal knowledge of everything you've said thus far, but nobody else ever kind of told me that. So you know, I never really was certain that it was it was the truth or not, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what I mean? So it was yeah. kind of like a feeling I had inside, but then since no, nobody would would ever talk about that, I just figured I I wasn't sure about that. That's cool. Uh, yeah. That's but you kind of said everything. I kind of like, you know, I hope it was true all along. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really good. Okay. I like to address other potential experiences that people might have had. Um, if you started crying through this, fantastic, because crying in, in, as a response to something good is a releasing of the old pain. And that's a healing crying. And any time that kind of crying happens, really go with it. Don't try and go, oh, no, why am I crying? Oh, this is not right. Go with it. Just let yourself really cry it out. That's a healing crying. So if that's what you experience, great. That's a good thing. Now, some of you may have had a hard time getting into it, or instead of having a big change, a big shift like Anda did, had a very small shift, uh, that's okay too. And sometimes if you just keep repeating the same script, the same recording, uh, it'll start to sink in more and more and you have a better and better result. Or you may have some kind of internal objection coming up, and if you notice what it is, Tap on that. Tap on that objection, and it'll and then come back and do the recording again, and th- and then this time it'll it'll go in much easier. So, anyway, I just want to address the range of experiences people might have had. So, thank you so much, Anda, for being our uh, thank you our volunteer for this one. Great. Thank you too. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I'm going to read the next one we're going to do, and uh, and I'm going to. Um, clear all the ta- uh, flags, and then let people volunteer again. Just make sure you relate to this one. Um, this one is, I'll get hurt again, make the same mistakes. Right? So remember, I'll get cheated on again. I'll get whatever painful thing happened to you, it will happen again. That's the fear. And that kind of fear you know, makes it hard to go forward, right? Because I'm afraid it's going to, you know, very painful. <laughs> I'm afraid it will happen again. So, okay, a whole bunch of people already raised their hands, but I, I want to start over because... Somebody had, was already raised from the last one. So let me just unmute everybody and start over. Uh, oh, Rita successfully got in. All right. So let me, I'm going to unmute, remute, and um, raise hands again. But I think, uh, Rita, if you can uh, relate to that one, we'll let you do it. And then other people. So hold on. Boom. Boom. Okay, let me just check in with Rita. Rita. Can you yes? hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Now, can you relate to that one? I'm afraid of getting oh. hurt again and whatever I the think way. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I can really relate to that one. <laughs> I figured I figured what? as much because uh, it's a, again one of the most universal ones I saw written down. So, yeah. uh somebody else tried. I'm going to 
I'm going to unmute and then remute you in South Central North Carolina. Hold on a sec. Boom, boom. Okay, so that so everybody, I took everybody's hands down. So don't raise your hand again until I do the third one, and then raise your hands, and then I'll pick somebody from that group. So we're working with Rita now, uh, and then you'll have your next chance on the next one. Okay, so Fred will get hurt again. So what I'd like everybody to do, including you, Rita, is okay. same as we did last time, get in touch with that fear in this moment. See what it is right now. And if it's a particular way you're afraid of getting hurt again, imagine that particular way. If you've got a whole variety of ways you're afraid of getting hurt again, where you're just basically afraid of... I mean, basically what this comes down to, afraid of being hurt again, is essentially I'm afraid of picking a bad partner again. If you really think about it. Because what would cause us to get hurt again in the same way is that we would pick the same kind of negative partner we did before. Because that's where the, that's how it could happen that we get hurt again. Like if we get cheated on, if I'm afraid I'll get cheated on again, it's because I'm picking another cheater, right? Right. So I want to semi-redefine that fear, or at least expand on the definition of the fear, that is, if I'm afraid of getting hurt again, that would come from picking the same kind of bad partner I've picked before. Okay. So anyway, everybody get in touch with that uh, and write down your number. And so what, what's that number for you, Rita? Oh, I think it's a nine or a ten. Go so nine and a half? <laughs> yeah, let's go nine and a half, right? <laughs> okay. Good. And we're going to see how far we can get on this one. Great. Thank you. Sure. All right. So uh, everybody tap in the karate chop point. Repeat along with Rita. Even though I am terrified of getting hurt again. Even though I'm terrified of getting hurt again. And because of making the same mistake. Because of making the same mistake. Picking the same kind of bad partner. Picking the same kind of bad partner. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. Even though I'm terrified of picking the same kind of bad partner again. Even though I'm terrified of picking the same kind of bad partner again. Getting hurt yet again. And getting hurt yet again. Which would be, I don't know if I could stand it. I don't know if I could stand it. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. With kindness and compassion. With kindness and compassion. Good. Okay, now tapping all the points. Keep repeating after me. I made some horrible choices in the past. I've made some horrible choices in the past. That led to great pain and misery. That led to great pain and misery. Maybe I got cheated on multiple times. Maybe I got cheated on multiple times. Maybe I got yelled and screamed at. Maybe I got yelled and screamed at. Maybe I was constantly judged and criticized. Maybe I was constantly judged and criticized. Maybe my partner was painfully emotionally unavailable. Maybe my partner was painfully and emotionally unavailable. Maybe my partner was really needy. Maybe my partner was really needy. Maybe my partner was blaming me for everything. Maybe my partner blamed me for everything. Maybe my partner was smothering. Maybe I maybe my partner was smothering. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. 
Oh, God, I don't want to do that again. Oh, God, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I don't want to face that again. I do not want to face that again. It would be horrible. It would be horrible. It was so painful so many times. It was so painful so many times. And I haven't even gotten over it. And I haven't even gotten over it. I'm terrified of being hurt that way again. I am terrified of being hurt that way again. It would be so devastating. It would be so devastating. So painful. So painful. Maybe I got abandoned. Maybe I got abandoned. Maybe I was rejected. And was rejected. Maybe I was put down. Maybe I was put down. Maybe I was controlled. Maybe I was controlled. Ay, ay. Ay, 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 all of the above. <laughs> right. I'm terrified of that happening again. I am terrified of that happening again. Such a scary-ass prospect. That is a scary-ass prospect. And I picked bad partners before. And I have picked bad partners before. In fact, they were all bad. <laughs> In fact, they were all bad. What makes me think? What makes me think? It would be any different in the future. That it's going to be any different in the future. That's why it's so terrifying. That's why it's so terrifying. That's why I'm terrified of being hurt again. That's why, it, that's why I'm terrified of being hurt again. Now, part of this comes from healing the past hurts. Part of this comes from healing the past hurts. If I haven't healed them... But if I haven't healed them... Then the possibility would feel overwhelming. Then the possibility would be overwhelming. Okay. But the bigger thing is... But the bigger thing is... Whether or not I'll pick another bad partner... Whether or not I'll pick another bad partner. A module one partner. Module one partner. But I have been doing all this healing work. But I have been doing all this healing work. I may not be totally done yet. I may not be totally done yet. But I've made huge progress on it. But I have made huge progress on it. Whatever To whatever extent I've healed... My module one wounds. To whatever extent I've he- I've healed my module one wounds. That was a long one, I know. Uh, <laughs> I will not pick that kind of partner anymore. I will not pick that kind of partner anymore. Picking that kind of partner comes from the negative traits of my parents. Picking that kind of partner comes from the negative traits of my parents. If I address one negative trait, if I address one negative trait, I'll never have to deal with that one again. I'll never have to deal with that one again. That alone would be huge. That alone would be huge. If I address two negative traits, if I address two negative traits, I'll never have to deal with those two negative traits again. I'll never have to deal with those two negative traits again. That would be an incredible relief. That would be an incredible relief. I commit to addressing at least two negative traits. I commit to addressing at least two negative traits. The two worst ones. The two worst ones. The two that cause me the most pain in my adult relationships. The two that cause me the most pain in my adult relationships. And I'll never have to deal with those again. And I will never have to deal with those again. That alone would change my life. 
that alone would change my life. Maybe I'll be ambitious and address three negative traits. Maybe I'll be ambitious and address three negative traits. And I'll never have to deal with those again. I will never have to deal with those again. If I get nothing else from this program... I get nothing else from this program... I'll at least never have to deal with that kind of pain again. I'll at least never have to deal with that kind of pain again. That would be incredibly worth it. That would be incredibly worth it. Do you agree? I agree completely. (laughs) Yeah. Even if I have to spend all five months dealing with these negative traits. Even if I have to spend all five months dealing with these negative traits. That would be worth it. That would be worth it. Because I'd never have to deal with that pain again. I would never have to deal with that pain again. So I commit to that. So I commit to that. I choose to heal those negative traits. I choose to heal those negative traits. So that I'll never have to deal with them again. I'll never have to deal with them again. And then I got nothing to be afraid of. And I got nothing to be afraid of. Because I won't make the same mistakes. Because I won't make the same mistakes. Because I won't be attracted to those kind of people anymore. I won't be attracted to those kind of people anymore. That phase of my life will be over. That phase of my life will be over. I will never have to deal with that pain again. I will never have to deal with that pain again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It'll be over. It'll be over. I'm already a lot uh, I'm already close to that. I'm already close to that. Um actually as an aside, some of you probably are pretty close to done with module 1. I th- I think I've talked to a couple that I think are done with module 1. Um the rest of you are, you know, much further along. Um some are not quite as far along, but everybody has made progress on module 1, every single person in the group. That I know for a fact. And to whatever extent you've made progress on module 1, you will not have to deal with that stuff, either at all or not as much. And you will not deal with it in two ways. Not have to deal with it again in two ways. Not have to feel that pain again in two ways. One is you won't be attracted to that kind of partner anymore. But two, one of the ways we feel that pain is because we're oversensitive to anything that reminds us of our parents' negative trait. Remember that whole thing. As we heal that negative trait, if somebody does something that kind of vaguely reminds us of of that parent's negative trait, we won't overreact to it anymore. It won't feel painful because it's triggering. What was painful about it is it triggers the old childhood pain. But as we heal that, if somebody does something that's sort of reminiscent of it, like eh, it won't be. It won't. We won't really react to it very much. So even if we don't fully address it, we will. We will become way less reactive, and it won't be anywhere near as painful. But as you sufficiently address, you know, any given negative trait, that will go away completely. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you address a particular negative trait sufficiently, you won't have to deal with that negative trait again in the rest of your life. Well, hallelujah again. Hallelujah again. All right, so everybody take a deep belly breath. And everybody reassess your number, your fear of being hurt again, making the same mistakes again. Write down your new number.
What's your new number, Rita? No, I, I think it's like a four or a five. I'm not really sure. Four and a half? It really came down a lot. Came down a lot? I feel like it came down a lot. Yeah. So really the crux of it for everybody is that if you finish Module 1, you will not have to, you will not get hurt again in the way you were hurt before. It's as simple as that. When you finish Module 1, um, or I should say for every negative trait you've, you address, you will not have to be afraid of, you will not experience that hurt again because it won't be part of your life. It's, it's done. So it's it's over. So that's a really cool thing. Okay. All right, cool. So again, you know, everybody, you know, Rita got a, you know, around a 50% reduction. Uh, if you if you tap on the same thing we just did, you know, replay the recording, tap again, it's likely to keep coming down. If you didn't have much of a shift, uh, then that would suggest that you're, you know, maybe you're afraid that you're not going to get through module one. Uh, then tap on your fear, afraid I'm not going to ever heal my stuff in Module 1, right? I know some people were expressing some of that. Tap on that fear. If you if you keep tapping on you know your Module 1 wounds, if your parents' negative traits, you will get there. And like I say, even if you have to spend all five months doing that, that's worth it. Because it's, your love life will be hugely better just not having to be with the wrong people anymore. You know, then it's just a matter of evolving from, you know, Phase two, remember phase two is about no longer being with the wrong people anymore, yay. And then just kind of working, then, then you know, continue to work in these fears, living beliefs. It's one of the most doable things on one's own. Module one is harder to do on your own, but module two is, is a very doable thing on your own. So you will get there ultimately, one way or the other. Just, you know, take care of module uh, the one stuff. Okay, so now the third thing we're going to tap on is uh, I won't be able to be me. I'll be trapped. I'll lose my independence. So raise your hand if you relate to that one. Okay. So, Lewis, I was expecting you to raise your hand on that one. Well, so we have Southern Alberta. And I forgot who that was. Who's this again? Hi, it's Jackie McLeod. Ah, Jackie. I think this one applies to me because when I I have when I when someone gets close to me, that fear comes up. So then I'm pushing away. Yeah. That would be engulfment. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. So um, now there's two different flavors of it, though, and the flavor I'm uh, see fear of engulfment is a fear of of being too cl- of closeness, like closeness doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two different ways that that can be true. Closeness cannot feel safe because something really bad happened around closeness, like being sexually abused, right, which we know you dealt with. Um, that's one kind of unsafety around closeness. The other kind of unsafety around closeness was what I was talking, and that's not the one I was actually referring to in this particular case. The other form of not feeling safe, being close, is the sense of I will lose my independence. It won't be. It's not okay to be me. I'll have to like do what the other person wants all the time, and I can't be my own independent person with my own likes and pro, you know interests and projects. I have to kind of like give myself up in relationship, yeah. right? So that's a, that feeling of being trapped, 
losing my independence. That's the kind of stuff we're addressing here. So I saw a bunch of people saying that kind of thing. So do you relate yeah, to that one? I, do, you, do you relate to that kind? Yeah, I think I can somewhat. Okay. Yeah. Somewhat? Because of, of, of just being controlled in relationships and, yeah, not having my own voice, not being able to be me. Yeah, that I can relate to that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, everybody uh, get, takes a moment to get in touch with it. This feeling, you know, imagine you're... Uh, this, is what, this is actually the aftermath of being in a relationship. So it's not a fear of before you're in one and meeting somebody, but it's what's going to happen once you get into it. So imagine you're in this relationship and there's that fear that, oh, now that I'm in the relationship... Uh, I can't be me anymore. I can't be. I cannot have any independence. I cannot have my own separate interests and my own separate activities, and I'll be stuck and trapped. And maybe I'll even be trapped because I realize it's not the right partner, but I can't get out. Right? That used to be my issue, by the way. I I, I found it impossible to break up with a girlfriend. Um, so there's. I had this fear of being trapped. Most of my fears were engulfing fears. <laughs> so that's what I was dealing with. So anyway, write, everybody write down your number. Yeah. Jackie, what's your number? Um, definitely a ten. Probably ten, 10 plus. <laughs> ten plus. Okay. <laughs> okay. So fear of losing my independence. Okay. Everybody else has their number for Jackie. All right, so now let's all start tapping your cry chop point and uh, repeat along with Jackie. Even though I am terrified that I will lose my independence and not be able to be me. Even though I'm terrified I will lose my independence and be afraid to be me. And I won't be able to be me. That I won't be able to be me. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. Even though I'm afraid of being trapped. Even though I'm afraid of being trapped. And I won't be able to get out. And I won't be able to get out. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. With kindness and compassion. With kindness and compassion. All right, so tapping all your points. I am terrified of getting in a committed relationship. I am terrified of getting in a committed relationship. Even though I want one really badly. Even though I want one really badly. Because I'm afraid that once I get in... Because I'm afraid that once I get in... I won't be able to get out if I need to. I won't be able to get out if I need to. Or I won't be able to be me. Or I won't be able to be me. I will lose my independence. I will lose my independence. I won't be able to do things that I want to do. I won't be able to do things I want to do. I will feel like I, o- I can only do what my partner wants. I will feel like I can only do what my partner wants. Either because 
I'm afraid of hurting my partner. Either because I'm afraid of hurting my partner. Or I'm afraid of being controlled by my partner. Or I'm afraid of being controlled by my partner. I'm afraid that I won't be able to be me. I'm afraid that I won't be able to be me. I won't be able to be independent. I won't be able to be independent. I won't be able to be my own person. I won't be able to be my own person. I'll be controlled. I'll be controlled. I'll be trapped. I'll be trapped. I'll be stuck. I'll be stuck. I'll be doomed. I'll be doomed. And I'll be miserable. And I'll be miserable. What a scary prospect. What a scary prospect. It makes a relationship sound like misery. It makes a relationship sound like misery. And I have experienced that before. And I have experienced that before. So I know what I'm talking about. So I know what I'm talking about. I'm so afraid of doing that again. I'm so afraid of doing that again. But this could only happen. And this can only happen. If I pick the wrong partner. If I pick the wrong partner. This is the same fear as the last one we tapped on. This is the same fear as the last one we tapped on. Getting hurt again. Getting hurt again. If I had controlling partners in the past... If I had controlling partners in the past... I would only be controlled again... I would only be controlled again... If I picked another controlling partner. If I picked another controlling partner. But if I heal that trait. But if I heal that trait. I'll never have to deal with a controlling partner again. I'll never have to deal with a controlling partner again. And I commit to healing that trait. And I commit to healing that trait. If I'm afraid of hurting my needy partner. If I'm afraid of hurting my needy partner. That's because I had a needy parent. That's because I had a needy parent. A module one experience. A module one experience. And if I if I heal that negative trait, and if I heal that negative trait, then I won't have to deal with that again. Then I won't have to deal with that again. And I commit to healing that negative trait. And I commit to healing that negative trait. I'm afraid of being stuck. I'm afraid of being stuck. No, I said if I'm afraid of being stuck. Um, If I'm afraid of being stuck. And losing my independence. And losing my independence. that That all comes from picking the wrong partners again. That all comes from picking the wrong partners again. And I choose to heal those negative traits. And I choose to heal those negative traits. I won't have to deal with those kind of partners again. So I won't have to deal with those kind of partners again. My ideal partner... My ideal partner... Will celebrate my independence. Will celebrate my independence. They will not expect otherwise. They will not expect otherwise. Because having independent activities... 
because having independent activity and then sharing my experiences with my partner and then sharing my experiences with my partner makes our relationship so much richer makes our relationship so much richer i love it when my partner does their own thing i love it when my partner does their own thing and then brings it back to me and then brings it back to me so interesting so interesting so cool so cool independence independence and joint uh, combined with connection combined with connection gives us the richest experience is just the richest experience extreme independence sorry i said extreme independence extreme independence with little connection with little connection would just be the old unavailable partner thing would just be the old unavailable partner thing but when there's a nice mix of independence and togetherness but when there's a nice mix of independent independentness and togetherness togetherness and that keeps the relationship really alive and that keeps the relationship really alive My right partner will appreciate my independent side. My right the right partner will appreciate my independent side as well as my connecting side. As well as my connecting side. As a beautiful mix. As a beautiful mix. That makes our relationship great. That makes our relationship great. Good. Everybody take a deep breath. Oh, one more thing. And if I am in the wrong relationship, and if I am in the wrong relationship, I choose to love myself. I choose to love myself and get out. And get out. And if I'm on, and if I'm in the right relationship, and if I'm in the right relationship, I choose to love myself. I choose to love myself and embrace my independence and embrace my independence along with my connectedness along with my connectedness as a beautiful alive mix as a beautiful alive mix okay good now everybody take a deep breath all right so how was that for you that it did bring up some emotion there uh-huh definitely I would say that it went down a, a little bit to okay. maybe a nine. Okay, so but I think I need to work on that one definitely. Yeah. So what you, what you're going to want to do is get in touch with um, what's coming up for you, so you'll know what to address. Okay. So when anybody has this kind of experience, like Jackie just did, it was, it was just a very small shift, and she had a lot of emotions come up. Notice the the places where the emotions came up, right? And then get get more clearly in touch with what the emotions were about, what exactly was coming up around that, and that will give you the, the things that you need to work on. Yeah. Work on them some, and then come back and replay this recording. Yeah, I'm I, I'm sure that the healing around the abuse is going to help with that. Yeah. So, well, I think for you, you're really in the other category, which is that, you know, anybody who's been abused 
is going to feel that closeness is very dangerous. Yeah, it's just you want to fight it off. You don't want to allow it. You just there's that fighting instinct always. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, even though there's another part of you that longs for it, right? So yes, you find exactly. Yourself in a very mixed up place. Yeah. And so you have to heal the abuse. So yeah. anybody who's had abuse, you know, abuse will always get in the way of of real closeness and intimacy because abuse gave you the experience of closeness being dangerous. Yeah. Oh, and Rita's sharing something. She said, "I just had a huge breakthrough." Um, let me just let me just uh, and, and then what you wrote got cut off because of the four line limit, Rita. So I'm going to unmute you and just let you share it. Okay. Okay, Rita and Jackie's still on the line too. So go ahead oh. and share your your huge breakthrough. Yeah, this is oh, I can talk way faster than I can type anyway. Okay, good. So I real as you were doing that, I wrote down like three different. Um, negative traits that I think I just completely ignored. So my mom, who did not scream and holler, but she was always, like, angry underneath. My dad used to say, your mother's on the muscle. But I married two angry, screaming, abusive men. Uh. Um, And my second, well, both of them were both controlling as well. And then my dad, who had his nervous breakdown, and so we had to walk on eggshells, he was needy. Um, and both of my husbands were needy. And so I had said that, you know, that my negative traits of parents were that they were emotionally distant and unavailable, my mom was unattentive, not affectionate, and that my dad was emotionally unavailable and weak. But I really didn't put a name to those. Yeah. So that is like a huge aha. Oh, my God, I have a lot of work to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, here's a cool thing, too. For everybody who had an emotionally unavailable partner, or not parent, partner, parent, I mean, emotionally unavailable parent, one of the cool things is that if you address anger, see, anger is the opposite of being emotionally available, too, right? There's two ways to be unavailable, right? One is just to be distant, and the other is to be, uh, you know, like anger is pushing you away, right? So it's kind of like, remember, abandonment can happen in two ways. Either the other person leaves or they make you leave. Right? And anger is about making you leave, so it's rejecting. If you address the, the parent's anger and you get all the way to your internal parent healing and transforming into a loving parent, well, once they get into that loving place, you've automatically already addressed the unavailable aspect, right? Ah. So you get a twofer on that one. Okay. <laughs> Kill, <laughs> take care of two birds with one stone on that one. So uh, I know we, we, you know, a lot of people have unavailable parents, and that's why you know I had three recordings that I shared in the program from the prior stuff I did around unavailability. But I just want everybody to know that if you had an angry parent, uh, addressing the ang- angry or critical, either one actually, anything that's rejecting, any a parent with any kind of rejecting energy, when you heal that negative aspect, the anger and or rejection, you know, criticism, judgment, that kind of stuff, and you successfully allow your internal parent to heal and transform into a loving internal parent, that will automatically also address the unavailable part. Ah, okay. So for you, Rita, yeah, I would really encourage you to work on uh, the um, anger. Right. And And let me say one really fast thing. So the man that I talked about in my email, so one of the big red flags was him referring to his his anger. Okay. So, and you haven't addressed the anger yet, have you? 
No. But notice that he doesn't have some of the other negative traits that you have addressed. I mean, if you think about what you've been ta- uh, tapping on and addressing, does he have any of those negative traits? No. No, he doesn't have any of those. So look at the success you've already had. I want, I want everybody to notice this. Rita has already successfully addressed some negative traits, some of the list, right? She has a list of negative traits. She's addressed some of them already. And this guy that she's gone on some dates with does not have any of those negative traits that she's addressed. Right. So that is a confirmation that what we are doing is working. Every negative trait you address, you will never have to deal with that one again. It won't be in the picture. It won't be part of the package. Mm-hmm. And right. now, Rita, you're noticing that, okay, there's a couple key negative traits I've missed that I need to address. So, okay, cool. So you address them. Right. Awesome. And you'll Yay. never have to deal with those again. I'm glad I left work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, cool. Oh, did, how was your, Rita, are you still on? I am. Uh-huh. Since I have you on, I'll just ask you, what was your before and after number on this? Mm, i got to flip through pages. Losing independence thing that we were... Um, so... So when I started, my independence, I put down seven. But then as you were saying things, it kept getting higher and okay. higher. And higher. So, um, so it probably didn't change. It might have gone up to an eight because I think I just was like, oh, my God, no wonder. So okay. I don't think I did any. I, it just gave me such great insight into other things, but it didn't do anything for the independence thing. Well, that happens. If you get triggered into all sorts of insights and stuff, it takes you out of the thing we're tapping on, basically. Right. It really did. And it was fine because it gave you big breakthrough insights and all this stuff, so that's great. So, you know, just come back and do it again later. I will. Thank you. All right. Cool. Way to go, Rita. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Um, All right. So I'm going to go ahead and mute Rita. And Jackie, I think the bottom line here is you have to really put put a lot of focus on the abuse. Yeah. Um, if you heal that, or not yet, when you heal that, that's going to make a huge difference because then closeness is not going to feel so dangerous or, or, or just at all you know, dangerous anymore. Mm-hmm. As long as closeness feels dangerous, we can't go there, right? We yeah. can't allow, we can <laughs> only allow up to a certain degree of closeness. That's as far as we can get, right? Yeah. Like, I'll let you in the house, but stay on the other side of the room, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. It's more comfortable that way. <laughs> exactly. So we want to, you know, as you as you heal the abuse, you'll find that you get more and more comfortable getting closer and closer. And I would practice, as you're doing the healing work on the abuse, I would practice getting closer to your platonic female friends. To my female friends? Huh? Sorry, what, can you my repeat cousin, that? As you, I want to practice getting more and more comfortable with closeness as you're healing your abuse. Okay. Um, practice inviting additional closeness with your platonic friends. Okay. I was assuming female. You might have platonic male friends. Like, ask for more hugs. Or ask for hugs if you if you don't generally hug people. Like, get practice being closer. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have very little of that. <laughs> Next yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of the things, we, and here's a general thing for everybody. Um, we really want to develop our friendships and get a lot of our emotional needs met with our friends, with our friends, so that we don't feel desperate, you know, as when we meet somebody. Like a lot of people feel like I get, I'm getting all my closeness and intimacy needs met from just my romantic partners, which then puts you in an all-or-nothing situation. I either have a romantic partner and then I try and get all my needs met there, or I don't. I'm not. I don't have a romantic partner and then I'm bereft. I have nothing. Right. 
And that will cause us to hook up faster than is healthy or even to get involved with somebody that's not really right just because I'm feeling kind of needy and not getting any of my needs for closeness met. So what we want to do is is develop our friendships and get hugs. Like a really great thing to do with friends is like have a really nice, nice warm hug when when you get together and another one when you end. And not one of these perfunctory little quickie shoulder hugs like up. You know, hello, hug, boom, done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, you can ask for a nice long hug. You say, "Can I have a nice big juicy hug?" And our friends will usually go, "Yeah, sure, great." Everybody, you know, in the United States, I don't know where people all live, but in, in the United States anyway, you know, we're all a little shy around physical closeness. Um, in some countries, they, you know, they're, they're, people are hanging over each other, all, hanging on each other all the time. <laughs> um, in Bali, it's amazing how people do that. <laughs> but um, but most people are open to it if you if you request it. Like, in fact, not just open to it, but very happy to. Like, oh, really? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. <laughs> you know, like I kind of wish I could have had a, you know, I could have asked that kind of thing. So, I would really encourage everybody to start asking for, for big, warm, juicy hugs from your friends, where you get to like stay in it for a little while and just like give each other like this <laughs> hug. You know, <laughs> it's interesting because. I, I hug my son every day. We we share a hug, and it's not a very long hug, and I've tried a few times to extend that a little bit longer, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, his reaction. So I respect, you know, his need to pull away or whatever, but but yeah. I have tried. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to try and do it through our children. That's a, that's a big risk. Oh, okay, that's a bad thing. It's yeah. not bad to hug him, but to... No, no, it's great to hug him, but you don't want to hug for your own need. Remember the taking hug versus giving hug thing? Yeah, I, right, I, I mentioned don't, it earlier. Yeah, I don't think I do it to take, no. Well, you would be if you were prolonging it more longer than he was he, he's wanting. No, and but, but I don't. Yeah, so that's yeah good. No, I, I may hug him tighter because I, I you know, I feel like I want to know that he's, I want him to know that he's loved, but when he pulls yeah. away, I, I respect that. Good. I, I, will, I will release that and just, and let it be. Yeah. So that's good. And what we but what we want to do is in terms of our own needs for closeness and to feel warmth and closeness. With other people. Stuff, yeah. You want to do it with adults that are not your kids. That's so, that's a good thing to know, though, because... Yeah. Hugs to children should be selfless, I love you hugs, rather than I'm feeling a little needy right now and I need a hug. Yeah. So you're feeling a little needy wanting a hug. That's natural. We all feel that way. But we want to try and get that from another adult. If you feel that, it's like, think of somebody you can call. <laughs> you know, like, who can I call and visit with, invite over, or go there, or whatever, and mm-hmm. get a nice, good, juicy hug, you know? So yeah, okay. But I encourage everybody to start doing that more. Wherever you live, whoever your friends are, um, you know, if you don't normally hug your friends, test the waters with each friend and see who's open to it. Just just ask, say, hey, can I have a really good, big hug? Can I have a big hug? I, usually the word big is sufficient to... To give you, you know, more than one of these quickie perfunctory hugs. To say, hey, could I have a big hug right now? I could, I could really use it. I could really use one. That's a great way to ask and see how they respond. If they feel uncomfortable, if they're uncomfortable with it, then don't ask them again. If they go, yeah, sure, and they give you this really nice, warm, good hug, then go, ooh, that was a good one. I'm gonna, <laughs> I could do that again with that person. <laughs> and, I think I'm laughing because I'm nervous. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's a huh? good thing. And uh, we all need more of it in our lives than we tend to get. 
because yeah. of our discomforts and things. So I would really encourage you, everybody, to reach out for more hugs. And then that will fill up your, your heart. It will fill your heart. It will fill your love bank. And then when you meet somebody, you'll become from a place of fullness, right? And mm-hmm. then it's just a matter of like, oh, you seem really interesting. <laughs> you know, well, it's kind of it's fun hanging out with you. Yeah, I'd like to do that again. But it's not coming from a place of neediness. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you for volunteering. You're very welcome. Yeah. All right. So uh, I didn't quite achieve the goal of knocking off four. We did three. That was good. Um, the uh, last one was, I'm afraid there's nobody out there for me. Uh, we might... It's funny, I'm, I've been planning to do a Love Talk Q&A video on that one. <laughs> so I might just do that, and then everybody can just watch that video. Um, I, I have another video that's similar to that, and that's the, my small town, How to Find Love in a Small Town video. Um, anybody who has this particular fear that I'm afraid there isn't anybody out there for me, that he or she doesn't exist, and I'll have to settle, watch my How to Find Love in a Small Town one, because it's kind of analogous, you know, them saying, you know, I was, I was responding to somebody's question saying, you know, I'm afraid I won't be able to find somebody good because I live in a small town, right? So there's, they're viewing their small town as being a limitation, whereas this fear is the same fear, only bigger. I'm afraid there's no one out there, period. But they're kind of similar. So try watching that video and see how much that helps. And in fact, it would be great if people could comment on it as to whether or not, you know, in the Facebook group as to whether or not you found that helpful, um, uh, to address this, and uh, yeah, we can come back to this one because it's a universal fear, and that's I I, I saw that one right away. I see, you know, I hear that one so often, and uh, there's a really cool way to address it. So yeah, we can come back to it if we need to. Anyway, uh, great being with you guys all in this action-packed call. And next week we are definitely getting into module three. Um, you know, releasing past attachments. In the process, you'll discover that you're, you're addressing Modules 1 and 2 also. So don't worry about not being done with Modules 1 and 2. Um, and the healing journey continues. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Oh, hey, let me unmute everybody who's left. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.